Good morning, good morning. How are you? Good. You ready to learn some more about parenting and mentoring? Yay. If you said no, I'd be like, oh no, what are you going to do? <laughs> so let's get it started. There's uh, about 45 minutes, 50 minutes. All right, let's jump right in. session what I'd like to cover with you is um, really the battle between fear and love and the, the environment that you're creating. How many of you like snakes? <laughs> then you're really going to like this. What just happened? <laughs> oh, here's what happened. You have this little gland in your, in your brain. It's called your amygdala. And it just got hijacked, juiced up. And certain things happen when your amygdala gets juiced up. Every human being has this this condition that says, when I am frightened, when my amygdala gets hijacked because of something that happens in my environment, I begin to guard myself. I begin to, to protect myself. Now, you're all thinking, well, what else is he going to do now? <laughs> I trusted him, <laughs> and, and he just scared me. That's right. That's the last one. There, there's, there's a separation, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a disconnect that happens when you get scared, when you get startled, when you get frightened. And you begin to think more about yourself than anything else. You begin to survive the environment. You begin to survive the relationship. You begin to fight for your life, however you're going to do that. Now, Creating that situation for my child to have to fight for their life under my leadership. It might be normal. It might be something that you think is, is effective. But the point is, it's not heaven. It's not heaven. See, there is no fear in love. Perfect, maturing love casts out all fear. 
Fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not maturing or made perfect in love. Now, the bad news is, is that this stuff works. Intimidation, hijacking other people's amygdala, it works. It's just not the kingdom of heaven. It fits into the culture. It fits into what we come to expect. It even, it even fits into our paradigm of who God is. Sometimes we believe that we can control other people. This is where all this comes from. All this intimidation, all this, this desire to control other people comes from what you believe to be true. When, when you think that what makes you powerful in a relationship is your ability to, your willingness to introduce suffering into the relationship. When you believe that what makes another person powerful, what makes me powerful in our relationship is I will introduce suffering. I will introduce pain to get my way. When, when that begins, when that is your, your, your foundation, as it is for most people, most people believe that they can get their way if they're willing to introduce pain and suffering into the relationship. Now that starts from the time we're little tiny. Little, you know, little tiny people walking around in the world of, of adults. And the adults say, do what I said. Do what I want you to do. And they, you know... A toddler's first word is what? No. Give me control of you. No. And, and, the, and the adult just doesn't know what to do with a no. I just don't even know what to do with a no. And so the adult brings a big whap. Yes. <laughs> do what I say. Welcome to the planet. It's my job to teach you what makes people powerful in relationships is I will hurt you if you don't do what I want you to do. If you don't give me control of you, I will hurt you. Now that foundation has been laid for a very long time in many relationships. Am I against spanking? No. I'll talk about that later. But my point is this. Introducing pain in order to get your way reinforces the idea that I can control you. I'm going to progress in my intimidation and simply infer that I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Maybe you're old enough now to where I can't really take you on, can't pick you up, can't swat you back and forth across the floor. And so I just simply go, did you hear what I said? Do it now. One. Two. Oh, don't think I, if I have to get off this couch, <laughs> two and a half, I mean it. You don't want me to get to three. Why? Because what's going to happen when you get to three? In order for me to demonstrate that I'm powerful, somebody has to die. 
Somebody's got to get hurt. I got to come flying off this furniture. I got to chase somebody through the house. And I have got to implement the foundation of relationships. I will hurt you. I will hurt you. Why? Because I'm trying to pass on the great lie. You can be controlled. You can be controlled by me. See, I learned that lesson when I was little. And my parents learned that lesson when they were little. And we've been, we've been passing this lie through the generations. You can be controlled by other people. And if that's true, then it means you too can control other people. And, and as long as this lie is in operation in our, in our relationships, whenever I feel powerless, I will try to control you. Just think about what happened the last time you didn't get your way with somebody. What happens when you don't get your way in relationships? What tactics do you have to try to get them to do what you want them to do? If you are trying to get people to do what you want them to do, like you get angry, you get, you get aggressive, you get mopey, you get pouty, you get, you get weepy, you get sweet, what do you do to try to get other people to do what, what you want them to do? If you are trying to get people to do that, it's because you believe you can control people. As soon as you don't believe that anymore, as soon as you put that thought away, I don't control anybody. Then you'll stop trying to control people. And it makes it much easier for you to now say, what are you going to do? Because now I begin to cooperate with the truth. And that is, it's your job to do something. It's not my job to get you to do something. It's your job to do something. And now I've successfully entered a whole new paradigm of relating. I manage me, and you manage you. And no longer is it my job to try to get you to do good things. It's now shared control. We have back and forth. We have an understanding that I am free, and you are free. And the only way to be free is to have choices. So, we begin to practice sharing control with other people, with our kids, by understanding I don't control everything. I don't. I never did. I never will. Introducing control, introducing choices to, to undermine control, gets at the deepest of human needs. Classically, what I would do is I would walk down this aisle and I would find somebody who's sitting there and, and I would say, Hi, Tara, how you doing? She'd say, Fine. Say, How you doing with me being about this far away from you while I'm talking? She'd say, Great. <coughs> then I'd walk up right next to her. I'd stand right next to her. Say, How you doing now? She'd go, Fine. How about if I put my hands around your throat? How you doing now? No, I wouldn't like it. No, I don't like it. How about if I tackle you to the ground, not letting go of you, nobody in here can help you, 
I'm not letting go of you. What would you do? I had a gal one time in the front row. She was probably 60 years old. You know, her name was Sarah. I said, Sarah, I got you. I'm oh, Sarah and Tara. That's pretty good. I, I got, got you on the ground. I'm not letting go of you. What are you going to do? She says, you're not going to let go of me? I said, I'm not letting go of you. She says, are you sure? <laughs> I said, Sarah, I'm not letting go of you. I got you on the ground. I'm not letting go of you. What are you going to do? She says, well... I would uh, take my thumb, jam it through your eye, and touch your brain. <laughs> she says, you said you weren't going to let go of me. Like, wow. 100% of the time when I do that with exercise, the person that I theoretically have on the ground is going to hurt me. They're going to hurt me. Why? Because they're evil? No. No, because they are humans. See, at the, at the deepest level of being a human being, you need to be free. And so Tara's going to fight me on the ground to get free from me. She's going to fight me. She's going to hurt me to regain control of her self-control of her freedom. Now, for a long time, parents call that rebellion. That their child is fighting them to get free of their control. And the parent does not realize that they got them, they're scared to death, and they got them tackled to the ground because of their response to how they're living their life, because of the decisions that they're making. Because the parent does not have a, a plan of what they're going to do with themselves. They think, still think, I can control things that are important to me. I can control people that I love. People who love me, let me control them. And love is not about control. Love is about freedom. Back to how does God love you? How does God parent you? How does God govern you? Not through control, intimidation, and punishment. It's through unconditional love and trusting you with a whole bunch of freedom. Now, just that thought, parents are going, oh, my kid couldn't handle it. Oh, my God, oh, my God, my kid, oh, my God. Oh my. You, don't, you know who you're talking to here. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I know who I'm talking to, and I know what I'm talking about. We're going to get to the skills of setting boundaries and, and, and offering these choices, but I want you to understand why it's so important that we, that we set choices out. Because if we don't, what we end up with is we're, we're creating the worst in other people. We're creating the worst in human beings. And, and one of the things that we forget over and over and over is that children are human beings. They're created to be free. They need freedom just like you do. Just like you do. They, they, don't, they don't have a... 
a switch that comes on when they turn 18 or 14 or whatever happens. It happens since the time they're little tiny. Remember, this little toddler's been trying to tell you, you can't control me since they met you. It is, it is deep. It runs deep. I mean, people are, people are smacking babies because the baby doesn't want to be controlled. Whack! Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, that's a baby. But they're being disobedient. That's a baby. That's a person. How would you like it if somebody threw you on the ground and lifted your legs in the sky and You'd fight for control. You'd fight to get back in control of that situation because what you were created to have is who you are. People are not trying to smuggle their babies into North Korea. Nobody's trying to get into North Korea. Did you notice that? Why? Because it's not a very free place. People are trying to smuggle their children into America. Why? Because people expect to find freedom here, more freedom than they've ever had. People are attracted to freedom. It, it meets some of the deepest needs that you have as a person. So, the reason that we're offering choices, the reason that we're moving away from controlling their choices to expanding their choices is to meet this need so that their, their anxiety drops, so that their amygdala stays deflated. Because when you, when you take somebody's choices away, when you, when you try to rule over somebody, they juice up and begin to disconnect and protect themselves. And all they're thinking about is themselves. They're not thinking about this. So I'm trying to create a safe place where love can rule and fear can be extinguished. And that is the process of what, what we're going to be talking about for, for days. What we're going to be talking about is how do we introduce practices that reduce anxiety and increase the opportunity for love and connection. That's, that's what this whole thing's about. Is how do we protect this? How do we, how do we repetitively respond with, with practices that reduce fear and increase a safe place. How do we do that? Well, we offer choices. How many of you have children who seem to want to stay up all night? Mm -hmm. Have a hard time with bedtime? You know, it can be a challenge sometimes. We're trying to get this little person in that that little square space. You know, it's, I don't know why this is such a challenge. I love going to bed. <laughs> Remember when Levi and Taylor were four and six years old? And uh, it just was, it was time. It was time to introduce the lesson of wisdom at bedtime. And so, 
they got a choice. Hey guys, it's room time. Don't want to hear you. Don't want to see you until in the morning. Good night. <laughs> Taylor can't believe it. Can we leave a light on? Don't want to hear you. Don't want to see you until in the morning. Can we read a book? He's four. He can't read. <laughs> Don't want to hear you. Don't want to see you until in the morning. Can we play with our toys? Don't want to hear you. Don't want to see you until in the morning. He looks at Levi. Quick, let's go to bed before they come to their senses. <laughs> and off they go. Now, this is like putting two Labrador puppies in a box and saying, don't touch each other. <laughs> right? And off they go. They're in the room. Do I think they're going to fail? Of course they are. They're four and six. They're in the height of their mistake-making career. <laughs> So pretty soon I hear, I open the door. Say, hey guys, are you tired or do you need something to do? We're not tired. We're not tired. I'm not tired. Are you tired? I'm not tired. Come here. Okay, come here. I lead him down the hallway. I open the garage door. I said, Levi, here you go. Here's a broom. I move the car out so you could sweep the floor, put it in a pile. When you get done, put the pile in the bucket over. Okay? If when you're done, you're tired, you can go to bed. If you're not tired, I got something else that you can do. <laughs> Shut the door. Take Taylor out in the back, back patio. There's a piece of cement about, you know, four by six. So I got eight leaves on it. He's four. <laughs> He's four, he hasn't done a lick of work in his whole life. <laughs> son, sweep these leaves off. If you're tired when you're done, you can go to bed. If you're not tired, I got something else for you to do. <laughs> he sounds like, you know, somebody's skinning him. He's sitting there, he just... Crying and crying and crying. Levi gets done. Say, hey, buddy. All right. Uh, are you tired? Or you need something else to do? I'm tired. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good night. Off he goes. Taylor. <laughs> he hasn't moved one leaf. <laughs> I open the door. I say, Taylor. Are you cold? <laughs> yes, yes. Here's your jacket. Say, <laughs> 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 baby, as soon as you're done, if you're tired, you can go to bed. <laughs> so he just drags it out however long. If 
funny. <laughs> she, Taylor, you tired? You want something else to do? <laughs> okay, baby. All right. All right. Good night. Off you go. Next night. Okay, guys. Room time. Don't want to hear you. Don't want to see you. Go in the morning. They look at each other. <laughs> Can you feel the weight of responsibility crushing you, Levi? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? I don't know if we can handle this freedom. I don't know if we can handle it. Why don't you just yell at us like you used to? Tell us to go to sleep. Try to control stuff you don't control. And off they go. And this was our bedtime ritual for years and years and years and years. And then uh, I remember one time they were 13 and 15. And I said, hey guys, it's room time. I haven't spent any time with my wife all day. Your rooms are yours. The rest of the house is mine. I pay the mortgage. <laughs> room time, really? It was on there for a long time. I said, I know. They go down the hall, and they both end up in Taylor's room. And within moments, boom, crash, boom, they're bigger now. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I said from the couch, you guys tired? You need something to do. I hear Taylor's door open. I hear Taylor's door closed. I hear Levi's door open. Levi's door closed. 13 and 15, and they still have a brain and it works even at night <laughs> you have two choices I mean, any kid worth keeping especially when they're younger you want A or B C oh yeah oh yeah those kids are keepers okay kid's a world changer. That kid's exploring their options. <laughs> so you want to be able to say, what were the choices? A or B? C. <laughs> you decide or I'll decide. And which one are you going to pick? Probably the one they weren't going to pick. You might be able to say, especially somebody at the break, that I have a six-year-old who always picks C. They're right. So you might say, um, do you want to sit in the chair or do you want to pick one of the choices? No problem. No problem. No problem. And you're moving towards it. Moving towards it. Because which one are you going to pick? Chair. Here you go. Feel free to get up when you're ready to do A or B. You decide. This isn't, you know, this isn't time to fight with them. This isn't time to argue with them. Well, what if they won't stay in the chair? Well, you can stay in the chair with me holding you or not holding you. How would you like to sit in the chair? A couple more choices.
Do they have to believe you when you set when you when you set limits when you make decisions? They have to believe that this is really happening, that this is really true. <coughs> Feel free to join us for dinner as soon as. Take your time. Don't worry about it. <coughs> Nobody in this house has to eat ever. <laughs> you don't ever have to eat for the rest of your life. Fine, I won't. No problem. <laughs> Parents are just scared to death their children are not going to eat. You got to eat. You got to clean that plate. You got to eat again. It's time to eat again. Got to eat again. Now it's time to eat again. Got to eat again. Come on, you got to eat again. You got to eat again. You got to. What, really? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because you were, you were raised in America. That's why you think like that. There hardly, hardly ever a documented case of a child dying for skipping lunch. <laughs> hardly ever happens. But we as parents, we just freak out over food. You're going to eat. Eat that. Eat that too. Eat this. Chew. 25 times. No, 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 no. No problem. No problem. Taylor, my youngest, the only reason Taylor ate food was to get to dessert. <laughs> he's little, you know, he's like five or six years old. He'd come in, what's for dinner? <laughs> she would say, this. Is there dessert? <laughs> yeah? What is it? Chocolate cake. <laughs> Sherry would say, honey, you are no fun to be around. You can be fun and eat dinner, or you can go somewhere else and be not fun. <laughs> fun to be with is a big deal, especially with your little ones. Empowering them to make decisions when they're little is self-control practice. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But understanding that offering these choices, giving them power, that's what begins to build a muscle of personal responsibility is making decisions, making decisions, making decisions. So A or B, A or B. You want the blue cup or the red cup? Oh, oh, oh. See, toddlers are control freaks, right? <laughs> You want to go to bed now or in five minutes? Five minutes. I heard of one guy that just walked in and shut off the TV. All the kids are watching. Did you want to go to bed now or when this is over? When it's over. Okay. It's over. He says, okay. Uh, you guys want a piggyback ride or do you want to walk to bed? Piggyback ride. Do you want to... Go potty first or brush your teeth first? <laughs> Go potty. Brush my teeth. Okay. You want to drink the water out of the kitchen or the bathroom? 
kitchen. You want the red cup or the blue cup? <laughs> choices, 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 all the way to bed. You want a story or no story? Story! You want to sleep in the bed or on the floor? <laughs> floor! All right, you want the light on or light off? Oh! Okay. I want to hear you. I want to see you. Till in the morning. I love you. Good night. Night. <laughs> Completely different experience. Why? Because I have satisfied the need that you have in our relationship for some control. As long as I'm thinking about your needs for control while I make a decision, while I'm the big person and you're the little person, as long as I learn to, to practice empowering you in our relationship, your anxiety drops in our relationship. Red truck, yellow truck doesn't happen because I'm paying attention to what you need. There are no yellow trucks in this house. There are no red trucks in this house. There are no yellow trucks in heaven. There's, nobody's taking your power away in your relationship with God. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. God is, is empowering you beyond your wildest imagination. Will you use it? I want, I want my child to feel empowered beyond their wildest imagination so that they can cultivate this responsibility muscle in their life so that they can feel powerful, so that they know what to do with power when it's offered to them. Brittany was about 14 years old. She, uh, she had a very different value for getting the dishes done than, than, than Sherry did. And so every night I would hear back and forth, Brittany, dishes. And I'd hear Brittany say, I will. Just a minute. A little while later, Brittany, dishes. I'm in the bathroom. A little while later. Brittany, dishes. I'm doing my homework, like you said. Brittany, dishes. I will. And they would do this thing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm watching it. This is not going to work that good. <laughs> and... Several times, Brittany would end up going to bed and not doing the dishes. Now, there is something special about dishes in the morning that Sherry really hates. I don't really understand what it is. They look like the same dishes to me. But they're not. Dishes in the morning are evil. Evil. So Sherry has a real strong reaction to dishes in the morning. And so Sherry comes out. There's dishes in the sink. Sherry has this need to have a conversation with Brittany. They go out there, she goes down to her room. So they're having this intense fellowship at the other end of the house. <laughs> and, and I can hear it on my end of the house. You know, like, ooh, 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 oof. And then Sherry comes to my end of the house to tell me what she just said to Brittany, which I heard already. <laughs> she didn't respect me. She disobeys me. I'm sick and tired of this way that she treats me. Okay, all right. Well, what are you going to do? 
Don't use that stuff on me. It doesn't work on me. I know. And meanwhile, Rebecca comes over. Now, Rebecca is a you know, 14-year-old. She's got her little ponytail. And she's hanging out with Britt, and then pretty soon, boom, they're both gone. They're both at Rebecca's house. And Sherry comes out of the room and notices that Brittany's gone. She is very unhappy. <laughs> Extremely unhappy. And so she comes back and says to me, what are you going to do? So what am I going to do? Yes! What are you going to do? So honey, you are giving this problem to me. Is that what we're doing here? Yes! I said, okay. You promise. Yes! So I get up and I go in and I do the dishes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, the dishes at my house is like, pull out the little trays here. I'm doing the dishes. It took, you know, seven minutes, maybe. Maybe. Brittany comes back. She and Rebecca. They're all dolled up. <laughs> Got their ponytails happening. Ponies on parade. <laughs> I said, hey, Britt. Hey, Becca. How you doing? Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Hey, we're going to the mall. Can, can, I, can I go to the mall? Is that right? Go, go to the mall with Rebecca and her mom? I said, sweetie, hey, I just want you to know I did your dishes for you. Dad! I was going to do them! Probably so. Oh, that's not fair! And Rebecca's watching this. She says, are you in trouble? How do you even know? Nobody's yelling. And he says, yes. He's going to trade me chores. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> he says, so, sweetie, would you like to do the trash shed for me or the chicken coop for me? Because I'm the dad. I got the yucky jobs, right? I got the yucky jobs. He says, can I look? I said, of course you can. So off she goes to the trash shed. Now you have to understand that living in Weaverville is, is this whole rural experience where you have to hide your trash from the animals, right? So you have this little enclosure of about 12 <coughs> trash cans in there, you know, and the, and the boys just open the door and throw the trash in there and hope it hits a, a can. And eventually you have this mountain of trash, and I know it's time to go to the, the dump because I can see the trash in the window in the door. Right? <laughs> Well, I could see it for quite a while. It's, I was going to get to it, you know. <laughs> I have to go borrow a trailer. It's just a hassle. It's just a hassle to go to the dump. So uh, she goes out there. She 
Rebe with Rebecca in tow, she opens the door. About 10 million flies hit her in the mouth. Sick, gross, gosh, Rebecca says, what are we doing out here? <laughs> so Brittany's headed to the, headed to the uh, chicken pen. Opens the chicken pen. Stupid chicken. Gets going. Opens the chicken coop. Because yeah. I was going to get to that too, you know. She comes back, says, chicken pen. I said, awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Whatever. <laughs> I said, Britt, would you like to do that today or tomorrow after church? I could do it tomorrow if you want to. Could I go to the mall today? But if you want to. <gasps> Daddy, thank you! And she's hugging me. Because she's going to do my chore for me tomorrow instead of today. <laughs> oh, thank you, Daddy, thank you! And off she goes. Now, lots of parents are thinking, Oh, you did not let a transgressor go. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, say it isn't. Don't you know that there must be bloodshed for the atoning of sin? <laughs> There's been a new book written since then. I don't know if you've read it. just came out about 2,000 years ago. All right, it's okay. Hang in there, hang in there. Okay, so it's the next day. It's Sunday. It's after church. And it is pouring down rain. Why? Because Jesus loves me. Okay? All right? So there you have it. So Brittany's like, <laughs> I said, hey, sweetie. Hey, did you want to wear my... My rubber boots or those pretty shoes you got on? Do you want to wear a rain jacket or that pretty sweater you got? Your rain jacket. You want to use the pitchfork or the shovel? Probably need both. <laughs> Probably so. So off she goes. One, two, three hours later. Here she comes. She got straw hanging off her head. <laughs> She's dragging tools into the, into the backyard. I meet her at the door. I say, hey, sweetie, what do you need? She goes, I'm done. I said, thank you so much. Whatever. <laughs> and off she goes. Take a shower, get warmed up. Probably about a week or two later, I hear Sherry say, Brittany, dishes. And Brittany says, I will in just a minute. I get up off the couch. I say, hey, sweetie, I got them for you. She comes running through the house. She says, you get away from my dishes. 
was just trying to be helpful. <laughs> Trust your kids to make mistakes. Know what you're going to do with you. Learn how to protect the connection by lowering the anxiety. Strip the control out of your interactions with your kids. Set firm limits, knowing what, what you're going to be doing. See, the, the limits in this situation are the dishes will be done now. Those are the limits. The choices are, would you like to do them yourself or would you like to trade me? See, because I control half of that based on your decision. And I will gladly participate in your lesson. Then I'm going to let the consequences of your poor choice be the master teacher for you. The master teacher. While I feel sad for you, oh no, oh honey, oh wow, oh God. What would you like to do? What are you going to do? And before long, I have a child who understands the consequences of their decisions. And when presented with a choice again, they make a really great choice. Because they have a brain. And it works. Even when their friends are around. <laughs> All right? Okay. Beautiful. See you next time. Thanks for coming. Amen. Amen. Did you get something out of that? Good, good. There's a verse that uh, I've been dwelling on this week, Philippians 2, 3. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory in the King James. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. You notice how when we get up and we try to control stuff, what we're immediately bringing into the situation is what? Strife. And then we wonder why it doesn't work, right? So, there's a smarter way, and the Lord's given us these ways in the Word. So let's think on these, come up with some questions. Next week, we're going to talk some more about what he just talked about and answer some questions, and I hope you got a ton out of it. Enjoy it. Use it this week. I look forward to hearing some testimonies of it. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you for giving us wisdom and strength that our households can be households of you. In Jesus' name, amen.